0: Savage, why savage savior? I wanna remind you every week why, and the reason is because the term savage, according to the Urban Dictionary, um, is courageous to the point that other people say, are you crazy? See, this is the the, the kind of savior that we serve. Jesus was savage. He did so many things that people's response would be, are you crazy? Also, it's defined as someone who is unconcerned about the consequences of his or her actions. So we're doing a study of the book of Mark. And as we're studying the book of Mark, we're using this kind of central title, central theme of Jesus being savage. We don't want you to think of Jesus just as being safe. We want you to see what he did to actually bring about change in culture, in your life, even 2,000 years later. And so today, it is my prayer, it is my hope, and it is my belief that our savage Savior is going to be able to bring his grace, his mercy, and his miracles into the house this morning. Now, when I say I need some help preaching, you can do it one of two ways, and I prefer that you do both. One of, one of two ways is just simply say amen. Let's see if you can do that. Say amen. amen. Good. Amen doesn't mean, Troy, you preach it. Amen means let it be so, right? We're belie- and, then, and then secondly, the other thing is you can clap. Let's see if you can work that instrument God gave you called a clap. Come on now. Some of you are like, yes, that's right. So you clap. That's wonderful. So you have an opportunity to amen or to clap, both of which are not for me both of which are for what God is speaking to the house, to the family, to the church today. It is no accident, it's been divinely orchestrated of Almighty God that we would be in the same room at the same time today to hear this message about our savage Savior. So let's get started. Mark chapter two, I'm gonna begin reading the first five verses of this, uh, of this awesome story as we're continuing in this series. One of the things since I had surgery I've lost 53 pounds now and so the Lord has been good to me. I'm really grateful. I don't do that for celebration. I do that because I got my cardiologist to confirm this week that I don't need to be on any more medicines of, of any kind and and hallelujah. But one of the things I've noticed as an effect it might be the anesthesia, I don't know what it is, but I get my mouth gets kind of dry. So I'm going to have to stop and take take a drinks every now when I say drinks, it's just tea. So relax. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some drinks every now. And that's your opportunity to just kind of contemplate what the Lord is saying. And uh, let's let's call it a dramatic pause. Let's do that. All right. Verse number one, reading from my NIV, it's also going to be on the screen. Hopefully you're looking on your device or looking in your Bible. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, remember this is the, this is the city, this is the area that Jesus did most of his miracles, Twenty, I believe 21, 22 miracles were, were done in Capernaum. So Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Isn't that interesting? He preached the word to them. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word of God is actually preaching the word of God to the people. Wouldn't that be just amazing? So he preached the word to them. Some men came to him, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Everybody say four of them. Since they could not get to him, get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. What what did their faith have to do with his sins? Is it possible that your life affects more than just you? Is it possible that your example affects more than just your existence? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Your sins are forgiven. We'll get back to that, verse number six. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking, everybody say thinking, Thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. For me, that's pretty savage. Jesus won an imaginary argument. Isn't that awesome? Yes? In other words, Jesus responds not to what they said, but he responds to what they thought. That's savage to me. He knew, he knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going through your mind. He knows your motivations. He knows your thoughts. I just gotta stop. We gotta keep on going through the text. Verse number eight, uh, he said, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why are you thinking these things? And then in verse number nine, we'll continue. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? but that they may know, but excuse me, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, dot, dot, dot. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out in full view, that's his testimony, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What an amazing story, and there's so much in this story, if we remember Mark's gospel, which was really uh, Peter who was, uh, the, the, had, was having the recollection and giving this information to Mark, and Mark is recording it, it's the oldest of the gospels, and so Mark's gospel is more of a headlines and a highlights and a reader's digest version uh, of the story of Jesus. And so Mark doesn't give us necessarily a lot of details, but it's fascinating to me here that he gives us more details than one of the other gospels, and and we'll find out why in just a few moments. So I want the meat of this, the, the message that I'm going to teach you or preach this morning kind of hinges on verse number two. So let's go back to verse number two. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Listen, I, I've got good news for you today. Really good news for you today. I know you've been through it. And everybody has a story. I know you've been through it. I know your heart was broken. I know it's been very difficult. I know, I know you've been riddled with pain and regret and disappointment. But I have good news for you today. There is another door. There's another door. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's another door. Now turn to the neighbor you wanted to turn to to begin with and say, there's another door. Right? There's another door. There's another door. Here's... Here's kind of my um, uh, theme, if you will, the, the main idea of the whole message. So I'd like you to jot this down. Uh, there's no notes this morning because I don't do notes, dear, okay? So um, I don't know how to do that. So that's done by Brian, and he's on leave, so y'all just have to write your own notes. Maybe jot something down in a Bible or on your phone or something. I don't know. Life's biggest opportunities aren't always obvious. Life's biggest oppor- opportunities aren't always obvious, Afterwards, they tend to be obvious. But when you're going through them, they don't tend to be so obvious. How many of you can testify and say, yes, I know that to be true in my life? Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. I bet the coach wishes he would have taken a little bit more time to have worked with good old Michael, right? So that he could have said, I was your high school basketball coach, but now he can go down in history as being the coach who cut <laughs> the, the world's greatest basketball player, Michael Jordan. I'm just saying, uh, but you don't know that until afterwards. My wife, uh, my wonderful wife, see, that's a dramatic pause. My wife said to me one time, she said, you know, I think she gave me a compliment. At least I believe it was a compliment. I think it was a compliment. Sometimes, you know, Jeff, you, you receive a compliment, and it's, maybe she didn't intend to be a compliment, but I thought it was a compliment, so I wasn't going to ask any questions. You know what I'm talking about. So she said to me, she said, I didn't know what I was getting when I married you. I thought... I took it to be kind of an Ephesians 3.20 thing, exceedingly abundantly above that which she could think, ask or imagine. You know, I'm thinking to myself, thank you, baby, that's a nice thing to say to me. I didn't ask her to clarify because I didn't want to. <laughs> I just wanna hang there for a little while. I was. Uh, we met when we were in high school. I was a 16-year-old uh, a, a young man who was heavily into the martial arts, uh, really into that in my life. I, in fact, I was so into I, I didn't, I, I wore Chuck Norris jeans almost every day of the week to school. Uh, yeah, you can laugh about it if you want to, yeah. <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't have good variety of jeans. Uh, but I, anyway, I wore those Chuck Norris jeans. I had my hair parted down the center in thick, thick glass glasses, glass blends glasses. So, I, so I'm i this, I'm this 16-year-old martial artist with 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 uh, thick glasses and, and Chuck Norris jeans and hair parted down the center when everybody else had it parted. You know what I'm saying? Just one of those things. And so she didn't know what she was getting when she got me because life's biggest opportunities aren't always obvious. Uh, I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. Relax. Um, but the Bible really teaches this as well. Moses Moses um, was charged by God to deliver the children of Israel out of slavery. Moses said, would you give me a, a, a sign and something very common appears, appears to him. God uses what he has in his hand already, just a stick, and he takes that shepherd's staff, that stick in his hand.? Right? Because, because life's biggest opportunities, they're not always obvious. You would have thought He would have given him a lightning bolt like Zeus or something, but he gave him, but he gave him the stick. God wraps calling in diapers. And allows the savior of the world to be born in a stable, which a stable was such a common place. In fact, it was so common that the people that he came to save almost missed him because life's biggest opportunities aren't always obvious. Callings can appear common on the surface, but God, God called Gideon to be a mighty warrior. But what was he doing? He was hiding in a wine press. Why would God call such a mighty, why would God put such a mighty calling on such a wimpy man? Why? Because sometimes a mighty man of God wears thick glasses and Chuck Norris jeans and parts his hair down the center. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've decided that you have been deceived and your destiny has been forfeited. Maybe you thought God was going to show up in your situation looking like a superhero, but instead God showed up in your situation looking more like a, a mustard seed. And, and, you know, it's not the tree, it's not the, the the tree that the seed grows into which would look rather uh, solid and, and powerful. Rather, it's just the seed. Now, it shares the same genetic code as the tree, but it has a different exterior. There's nothing that's the same according to the exterior. You couldn't associate the seed with the tree. Might it be that what God is doing in your life right now is not obvious, but that does not mean that there is no opportunity, because My God says, when I open a door, no man can close that door. When I decide to do something through your life, no season, no person, and no limitation is ever gonna stop it in your life. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in this old world. It's interesting to me, if I just reminisce for a second, that David, uh, King David in the Old Testament, uh, David, after he had his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, uh, he uh, seduced her and lured her in a married woman. He tried to cover his tracks. He had her husband killed, and they were—he uh, actually impregnated her. Their baby was born. Nathan called it out. The prophet called it out, and God ended up taking their firstborn. God took their firstborn from them, but their secondborn, uh, their secondborn ended up becoming the wisest man on earth prior to Jesus, and of course, his name was Solomon. And so what I would like to say about that is what I'm understanding is David's greatest wisdom was born after his greatest mistake. So there's always redemption. There's always an opportunity. God can always use what's happened to you or what you chose to do that has caused you such pain. He can use that to bring glory to himself and peace and strength and honor to you. How many of you in your life would say, I would like to be a wise person? If there's anything that I really want in life, it's not the monetary stuff. It's not the the recognition. It really is, God, I really do want to be wise. I'd like to know. I'd like to have solid discernment. I'd like to know. You know, to me, wisdom, when I reflect on the wisdom that I think that maybe the Lord might have given me a little bit of, when I think about wisdom, really what it is, is it's the result of a bunch of dumb choices and foolish decisions. You see, only when you made dumb choices and foolish decisions are you able then to bring about wisdom out of those dumb choices and foolish decisions. You usually gain wisdom at the expense of today for tomorrow. This is not a new concept. If you've been with us for a while at New Life, and I hope you have, and if not, you are now, I've preached this before, so let me kind of put it this way, uh, reward dresses as responsibility, If you're going to write anything down, write a couple of these. If I repeat it, it might be something you might want to jot down. Reward dresses as responsibility. God is not going to put reward right in front of you. He's going to wrap it up in responsibility. Let's go back to David for a second. When he was a young man, uh, before uh, he really had um, any calling on his life uh, that had shown any manifestation that had come out, David had no clue that Goliath was waiting on him. You see, what David was doing that day is he knew he had to take bread to his brothers. He knew that his brothers needed some food to eat. So he was on his way taking bread to his brothers because it was his responsibility that unlocked his reward. <laughs> so he, if he hadn't been taking bread to his brothers, then he never would have bumped into Goliath and never would have said, you cannot, you cannot talk this way about my great and mighty God. Uh, let's bring it on, big boy, and, and he takes him down. If he had waited for the possibility of an opportunity in which he could demonstrate the power and might that God had given to him, he never would have had the opportunity to see what God could do through him. See, this is what confuses me. In this postmodern culture that we live in today, in the church world even, when people say, yeah, that's not really my calling, well, do it anyway. God hasn't really, it's not really spoken that to me. Do you know how weird that sounds? You know, nobody else, no other organization in the whole wide world can say something like that. Let me just meditate on that. Really, just I, I, I pick the chairs up, man. Can you just pick the chairs up, right? Uh, you see what I'm talking about? So don't, don't think that you're waiting for God to unveil His plan for you. Just do what you need to do, and in the journey of doing what you need to do, that's how God is going to un- unveil or reveal to you His. His plan, his call. So Jesus is teaching. Let's get back to the story. Jesus is teaching one day, and, and there's so many people that have come to see him that the crowd is gathered. Now, I want you to notice in Mark's gospel that we read here, the crowd isn't a positive thing. It, he's not like, the crowd was there. It was sweet. All these people were there. Jesus just get launched in his ministry. We needed a big crowd. He needed to be able to connect with people. He needed to have people to help him. It wasn't that. In fact, it wasn't that at all. So the crowd was not a good thing. Jesus was so savage, in fact, in the the gospel of Mark that oftentimes when the crowd got too big, he would just leave. He he would just walk away from it. So so the crowd was so big, and these four men brought their crippled friend to Jesus, but they couldn't get him in. They had high, you could say, they had high hopes. You could say that um, their uh, their hopes uh, were through the roof. (laughs) Oh, there's more of those coming today, guys. Mm Mm-hmm. There are four doors in this passage. In the next 20, 25 minutes, we're going to get through these four doors. But I think they'll help you. The first door we're going to spend the most time on, four doors. Everybody say four doors. Four doors. So that means if you write notes down, you can go one, two, three, four, and you could just jot these things down. Door number one is the door of disappointment. And this, this is the front door. This is the door that they can't get their friend in. Their friend is, 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 is crippled. Um, he is handicapped. Uh, he is uh, paralyzed. He can't get in the front door. How disappointing it must have been after you carried your friend all that way, all that way, how disappointing it must have been for them not to be able to get him in the door. Now, if those men, and they had to have been strong dudes, why? Because when there's a funeral, we carry, we carry somebody with six men at least, but there were only four men and the difference is this guy's got to be moving around a little bit too Which makes it even more difficult So there's four strong guys that are carrying their, their friend and they couldn't get him in the front door Now if we were ascribing to current theology in other words current belief system We might just say something like this Well obviously it's not God's will for you to be healed today man We're going to take you back home again But these guys were crazy do I have any crazy people in the house today that really believe that God can do anything? That's what I believe. I believe God can do anything. They agreed, we didn't carry you all this way. Y'all wiggle worm and everything. We didn't carry you this entire way. We've come too far to turn back now. Maybe that's something you should declare for yourself today. I, I've come too far. I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far to turn back now. I'm not gonna turn back. I'm not gonna turn. So one of the guys... I don't know what, what his name is. One of the guys, let's call him Rufus. <laughs> I know, these are great. These aren't even in there. I'd... One of these guys said to the other guys, I, I know we can't get in the front door. Uh, I reckon we could go up. I don't know why I put a southern thing on there, but we could go up. <laughs> the other guys Okay, well, that's not a bad idea. Is it possible that the reason that you can't get in the door that you believe that you know you're supposed to get through, is it possible that you can't get through that door is because that's not the door that God wants you to enter? Is it possible that God is calling you higher? Sometimes the reason that you get rejected by somebody that you wanted to be your friend Sometimes the reason you get rejected by them is because it's the wrong level of relationship for your life. And if those people would have liked you, it would have actually limited you and the anointing that God has on your life because he's calling you higher. So these guys climb to the roof and they make a door. You ever made a door before? They made a door. Nobody... They made a door. My wife and I were uh, newlyweds uh, a, a while back, and we didn't have any money. Uh, we were in college, and I'm working a couple of jobs, but I had been in, I told you, taekwondo for a long time, and I wanted to start taekwondo school. I said, Baby, if we can do this, start a taekwondo school while we're in college, I won't have to work so many hours because I know that I can get da 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 She said, I believe in you. Uh, we don't have any money, so figure it out. I said, I can do it. So I went to my employer, and I told my employer, I said, Can I, can I, can I uh, I was really nervous, sweating and scared. And, and uh, I said, could I, could I have an advance on my salary? Because I'd seen that on TV before. And, uh, and, and he said, well, how much do you need? And I said, well, $200. And he said, okay. I said, okay. So he wrote me a check for $200. I thought, shazam. I got $200, which is nothing, right? I have $200. I've got nothing. Um, uh, but I got a dream. And so we took that $200, and I went to a, um, I wanted to be in the highest traffic area in Springfield, Missouri. That's where we were living at the time. The highest traffic area was right across from St. John's Hospital. St. John's Hospital was the biggest employer in, in the whole in the whole city. And so I noticed there was a strip center, a shopping center, right across the street from that, right next to a wonderful Italian restaurant that was uh, good, fast food kind of Italian restaurant, but it was good. And so I thought, well, if I can get trapped, you know what, uh, there's already somebody in that spot, but maybe I can go ask them if they have their business at night, because if they don't have their business at night, surely they would love to rent it to me so that I can have their, bu- their building at nighttime while they're gone, never thinking through the lens of a of a, of a, of a, of a proprietor that would say, I don't want some strange nut job in my building at night, you know, moving furniture so they can have karate classes with all these strangers coming in. But I went and asked them and they said, well, uh, perhaps we'll consider doing that. Uh, What what were you thinking? I said, well, I was thinking I'd like to go three nights a week and I'd love to be able to pay you rent for that. And I just believe that that this is going to be a a great thing for you and for me. And so they they said, well, how much are you thinking? I said, well, I would like to be able to give you guys $200 a month to rent this place, and I felt pretty good about it. Realized later, they're paying like three grand a month for their rent, I didn't know that. But they're, $200 a month. I don't know what they saw in me, some, you know, little 18-year-old, little dreaming punk, you know, with, with parted hair and Chuck Norris jeans. <laughs> but they saw something, and they said, okay. We'll let you do that, and I said, "Well, that's fantastic." I'd also like an office because you have not, because you asked not, right? And can I have an office? And they're like, "Well, that's we've got one extra room you could turn it into an office, but it's going to cost you. How much do you think that's worth?" I said, "I said probably ten dollars a month," <laughs> and they gave it to me for ten dollars a month. So we rented that building for a couple of years, and I didn't have money to put a sign up, so I found an old piece of lumber behind our trailer that we were living in while we were in college, and I and I, and I had a, I didn't even have a skill saw. I had a jigsaw. I tried to make it as straight as I could, you know, around the edges. It was an old piece of cork board, and I took it to a guy at Kinko's. You remember, anybody remember Kinko's? back? In, yeah, I took it to a guy at Kinko's. I said, hey, can you make a sign out of this board? He's like, dude, we don't do that here, but I... But I don't know, he, he, we weren't even, it's about as close to the center of the United States as possible. There was not a beach around for a thousand miles, but he was like, but dude, I'm an artist. I'm like, well, great. So dude, if you want me to, I'll take this home, I'll airbrush it, you give me the design, man, and I'll make it look really good. I'm like, fantastic. How much would that cost you? Dude, I don't know. I said, I got 50 bucks. He's like, dude, sounds good. So a week later, this corkboard was painted in this beautiful sign, and I had to borrow somebody's ladder. I didn't even have screws, and I didn't have a drill. So I'm like, uh, uh, and I put it on the side of the building, so we had a sign for like 50 bucks, which that stuff doesn't happen. When I started this church, when our family started this church in 2010, it was the worst economics in my work as economic uh, season in our entire life, and in, probably in all of, well, with the exception of a few of our senior saints, in all of our life. Nobody gave us any money to do that. I mean, I went to all kinds of places and asked for kind of money. I, we ended up getting kind of a, this grant that we have to repay, but I didn't get any, any really resources. When Jim, the landlord of this building that we now own, when I came to him and said, dude, we'd love to be able to rent this building. We're excited about it. And God is doing a wonderful thing. I knew we had no money in the pocket, I knew we had no money in the bank. All I knew is we got a dream. Listen, in the worst economic time, I had to learn how to dig. It's good for you to learn how to dig. It's good for you to dig a door. You don't want everything handed to you in your life. You certainly don't want to hand everything to your children. It's good to teach them how to dig. Sometimes the greatest thing that can happen to you is to be turned away from the front door so that you've got to figure out that there's another door and you just just dig. Now, this door is not a door for normal people. (laughs) This door is not a door for people that want to quit. It's not a door for people that want a comfortable life. This is a door for radical faith. This is a door for determined spirits. This is a door for people who totally trust in the fact that God began a good work in you, so he's gonna be faithful to complete that work in you. Far too often, I think faith is something that we just fall back on, rather than faith being the thing that we lean on. When you choose to fall back on faith, um, it's a mistake. Mark calls it a mistake. Mark talks about faith four times in this gospel. He mentions it four times, and not one time is faith an attitude. Faith is always an action with him. It's not an attitude, it's an action. Faith is something you can see in response to something you cannot see. Hebrews puts it this way. It tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So it's something that you can see in response to something, uh, to a hope that you cannot see. Mark 2, verse number 5, take a look at what it says here. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, it says he he didn't hear their faith. When he saw their faith, It it wasn't that they talked about how much they trusted God. It's they refused to go home when he saw their faith. My daughter Trinity was in labor this last uh, Sunday night as I mentioned earlier and when she was in labor we got there with her she wanted us as we've been with the other grandchildren in the room including myself and I love that I'm so thankful for my daughters and the opportunity privilege I wasn't able to be in the room for any but one uh, because they were all c-sections and so forth but they they want me in the room and so I'm in there and I got my job and my job is here up here up right you know I'm coaching her and talking to her and and all I know is we got to a point, and I'm, I'm sorry, Melissa, I, I love you, but there's one of your nurses that doesn't like me, and I don't know why. She just doesn't like me. Um, so there's a, there's a nurse there that... She doesn't like me, and I don't know why. I'm, why would you not like me, right? It doesn't matter. She doesn't like me very much, and so I sense it. I pick up on it. It's not like I've got the spiritual gift of discernment. I can just tell by the scowl. Anyway, she doesn't like me, and so she was really good with Trinity, but she doesn't like me, and so when the anesthesiologist came in to finally to give her a little something-something so she could get through, we, my wife and I just kind of stepped out in the hallway. We wanted to give a little privacy, make sure that it was... Well, when we stepped out in the hallway, apparently that's a, that's a no-fly zone. So we stepped out the hallway, and you're not allowed to be there. And so she says to me, as she says, "You guys are going to have to go wait in the cafeteria um, because you can't be in the hallway." And I'm thinking, "Can we just go right back in the room?" But we had, you got to go in the cafeteria. and You got to go now. Wow. Um, I said, "Well, how are we going to come back in when, when this happens?" Well, her husband's going to have to come get you. I'm like, "Well, I'm thinking to myself, and..." You know, she wasn't Jesus, so she couldn't read my thoughts. Right? But I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, well, if we do that and he's busy with the couple of pushes, I'm going to miss the whole thing. And so my wife, who is a firstborn, says, well, she said we need to do it, so we need to do it. So we just naturally start holding hands and walking down the hallway. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. I'm not walking. We get to the door that you, know, you got to open. You got to, hello, can we come in? One of those doors, you know, that's like, which is great. But we get to that door, and I'm like, I'm not going on the other side of that door, honey. She's like, Troy, I feels really awkward. The cameras, they told us to go do this. I said. If you want to, you can. But I'm not leaving Trinity because... she wanted me here, and I have no idea. They literally have one other person in this whole wing right now, and I'm not leaving. I'm just not. I'm not. They're going to have to drag me out of here, um, and I'm not. I'm not leaving. I'm going to. am going to stay in this place. It's. Funny. I'm, not, I'm just not. I'm not going to go anywhere. And my wife is like, okay. And I can see her like doing lamas in the, you know, because she's really a rule follower, and I love my wife because she balances me because she's really a rule follower, and I'm right over here, okay? Because I'm not so much of a rule follower, and and I, I wasn't. My my daughter wanted us there if you don't like me you don't have to like me but I'll find somebody who does like me you see this guy needed four good friends and some of you would sound have four good friends you listen to me when there's you and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit you've got enough to bring about your miracle these guys had decided to get their friend to Jesus and so they were on the roof and they dug through the, this wasn't just, a, it was a thatch roof, but it was made of, of, of straw, but it was made of, of mud and it withstand the weather. It was heavy, it was supportive. They were digging through this roof, which likely had some chalk limestone as a part of it too. So they're using their fingers and they're digging through the door. Some of you need to dig through the door for your kid. Some of you need to dig through the door for your family member. Some of you need to dig through the door for your friend. You need to get them through through one way or another don't give up on them find a way to get through because they need a miracle they need you to stand in the gap for them don't stop i think jesus respected their carpentry skills he was a carpenter by trade after all so picture it verse five jesus is preaching and there's this distraction overhead pretty major distraction remember jesus is not holding a healing service (laughs) in fact it wasn't even on the agenda to bring about healing today Some of life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. That's the theme. And some of God's greatest invitations are going to show up in the form of an interruption in your life. Matthew describes the story a little bit differently than Mark does. So let's look at Matthew chapter 9. And this is what I mean. Look at what he says in verse number 2. This is all he says. He says, some men brought to him, speaking to Jesus, a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Sounds very poetic, the way that Matthew puts it. But um, if you think about the the story, um, he forgot to mention that these guys tore a hole in the roof of the house. And I wonder to myself, why? Jesus is preaching the rest of the story. did, Did you hear that? Now, I don't know if Jesus got distracted, probably not. Jesus did not have ADD, so he didn't get distracted. He probably just kept on preaching. But surely somebody in the crowd, like you do, every time somebody opens up the front door, this whole, this whole thing goes. And you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't paid, you know, it's, you're, you're gifted because you can ignore that stuff. But Or the door opens and the sun shines in and everybody goes, bam. who's here? Welcome, we're glad you're here, which is highly awkward. <laughs> Jesus didn't get <laughs> Jesus. Jesus didn't get distracted. But somebody else in the crowd probably was. Dude, did you, what is going on on the roof? For heaven's sakes, what's, did you see the dirt just begin to fall? Remember, Mark is writing what Peter told him to write. I'm going to say that again so you can stay with me. Mark, the author of this gospel, is writing what Peter recalled. But consider this, scholars all agree, all of them that I read this week, scholars all agree that the house was owned by Peter, So it is no wonder to me whatsoever that Peter would have put in the gospel that he was helping Mark to recall that somebody tore a hole in my roof of my house. Matthew left it out, but Mark puts it in there because it was Peter's, it's kind of funny to me, because it's perspective, did you hear that? The dirt kind of starts to fall from the roof. Mud in the ceiling starts to break let me give you a sidebar here and if you're in the ministry training center and I know there's we got like nine students that enrolled or if God's got a call upon your life to teach preach the word of God I want you to dial in for just a second are you willing to get your hands dirty or are you too afraid to mess up your manicure to go after your miracle because here's a message that I think somebody should preach sometime and if you don't do it I will let's see here's the title it's really good Uh, manicures or miracles the choice is yours that's a good one right Dramatic pause. So they got through the roof, and they drop him down. I must have had a ride for the guy. I don't think they told the guy we're going to go in the roof. I think they probably said, dude, stay right here. They won't let us in the front door. We're going to go come up with a plan. Let's take him to the roof, but don't say it too loud because he's not going to want to do this so they go back they hoist the guy up on the roof they dig a hole and he, you know he's laying this way because the roof isn't flat so he's laying this way and they're digging a hole through they drop it I don't know if they have ropes I don't know I kind of think that they kind of lean their arm down and just doof and drop the guy and he, he lands right at the feet of Jesus we don't know this guy's name but let's call him Matt <laughs> I know that's like three isn't that great I think that Jesus might have said something like this, "I like your style, boys. I like your style, because that's exactly what I did. I came down from heaven through your dirt and through your shame and through your sin, just like you brought this guy to me. And I can just picture those four guys after they dropped him, looking down and, and thinking, oh, now what's going to happen? He's right. I just I want, if these are big guys. I now what's going to." And Jesus says, "Son." Your sins are forgiven. And the guys are like, and? Because they didn't bring him this whole way so that he could be forgiven. They brought him to Jesus so that he could get healed. So here's the question that the Lord gave me that I'm passing on to you. What do you do when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? What do you do then? The most obvious thing that Jesus could have done to this guy is heal him. I mean, he's crippled. He's lame. But they they didn't see that happen right away. But sometimes God won't do the obvious because he wants to change something within you before he changes your situation. So that then when you live that new life, you'll be a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And he does this all the time. And I'm sure as you reflect historically in your life, you'll see that God was doing something in you far before he did something for you. It's important to know that in the Jewish mind, in that current culture, sin and suffering were connected. If you were suffering, it was assumed it was because you were sinning. Um, You must have sinned somehow to end up that way. Jesus knew that this was what they believed, so in John chapter 9, he debunked this. He, he dispels this theory when a man born blind comes to him, and Jesus defines it, that it's not because he's a sinner that he's blind, but it's so that the glory of God might be revealed. So in this case, it might not be that this guy was a sinner But Jesus spoke to this crippled man, spoke to this paralytic, and in essence he was saying, before I do something for you, I want to do something in you. And I thank God for this man's friends who had the faith to believe for him what he may not have been able to believe for himself, which is exactly your role in life, is to believe for someone else what they may not be able to believe for themselves. You see, when Jesus saw what the friends did, he forgave the man. But the man's still on the mat. He's still crippled. He's still got his same condition. He's still got his same problem. He's still got his same issue. But when Jesus heard the thoughts of the critics, when Jesus heard the haters, he healed the man. Yeah. Anybody ever doubted you in your life before? Anybody ever walked away from you? stopped supporting you, abandoned you when things got tough in your life, you should thank God for the haters in your life because they just might be an unintentional catalyst so you can receive your healing in your life. That's the first door. The second door, and I'll be brief with these as time is coming to a close, is the door of opposition. We've been talking about this. The door. Paul says in Ephesus that preaching, uh, he continued preaching in Ephesus. Why? Because he sensed. He sensed success. Why? Because he had so much opposition in Ephesus. Uh, He was experiencing all kinds of opposition. Sometimes the reason you know God is blessing you is because of the level of opposition that you're experiencing. Because the enemy wouldn't be busy with you if God weren't blessing you. I kind of think that maybe we need to say that again because I'm sensing that you might be dialing out on me for a second. The door of opposition is not a door to run from. It might just be a door that God wants you to go through to receive your miracle. Amen. So face the door because sometimes you're receiving the opposition because the blessing's on the other side of the door. So go through the door. Because if there had been no haters, he wouldn't have gotten healed. If, if, if there had been no weakness in your life, you never would have been made strong. If there had been no resistance in your life, then you never would have been known that you were resilient in your faith with your walk with God. So your opposition proves your opportunity with God. Thanks, baby. This is my beautiful wife who liked the parted hair, the Chuck Norris jeans, and the pop bottle glasses. Your opposition proves your opportunity. The question is, what is God using in your life right now that you're trying to run away from because it feels like opposition? Is it help? Are you trying to run away from it because you feel like it's opposition because someone's confronting you? What is it? What is it that God is putting in your life that feels like opposition and you're actually supposed to go through that door instead of running away? That's the door of opposition. How about number three? The third door that I see in this story is the door of obedience. I'm, I'm talking about the kind of obedience that trusts God in an impossible situation. I trust you, God. I know it's impossible. I know that you called us to do this, so I trust you, God. I know you're gonna give me good friends and partners that I've never known. You're gonna give me favor in the community. I know, God, you're gonna introduce me to friendships that are gonna last me the rest of my life. And I'm not worried about the resources because if my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, I'll start a church in the middle of the greatest depression that there ever was because God wants us to do it. And so, what is listen, it's the kind of obedience that trusts God in an impossible situation. These four friends got the man to God, got the man to Jesus, and the man was forgiven. But there was something that this crippled guy had to do. Now, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm talking about working out your salvation. I'm talking about works following it. This guy had to participate somehow. And how did he have to participate in his healing? Look at verse number 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, dot, 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 he said to the paralytic, listen, did you get that? It wasn't even about the crippled man. It, it wasn't even about his dysfunction, his paralysis. Jesus said to the teachers of the law so that you may know sometimes it's bigger than you. Even though you're the one that needs the miracle, sometimes the manifestation of that miracle is bigger than just you. God wants to use it for a reason. The reason you're doing this is so that it can prosper and help other people to see Jesus and to know that he is the king and he is the Lord of all. So, Jesus told him to do something practical, proof of his healing presence. He said, You got to get up. You got to get up. That, take that thing that those friends of yours hoisted you in, carried you in, and hoisted you up on the roof, dropped you down before me. Take that thing that they brought you in on the mat and. Listen, your life has changed now. So instead of your mat holding you, you're gonna be holding the mat. So I want you to get up. The step to your healing right now is you gotta get up. When my kids took their first steps, my grandkids are going to take their first steps or like Jadwin, my youngest, or my oldest grandson has taken this. I, I wanna be there if I can. I wanna be a part of that. I remember them taking their first steps and you know, they take their first step and let go of the couch after they've been cruising for a while and they're doing this. And you got, come to daddy, you can do, oh, big girl. And they fall down, oh, get back up again. You can do this. We're cheering them on and championing our children and grandchildren so that they will, listen, we're inspiring them so that they can be motivated to take another step but this man had never walked before. This man was getting ready to experience that toddler perspective as an adult. He had never walked before in his life, but now he's in a room full of haters that don't want him there. This man was lowered down. And Jesus has spoken to him and said, your sins are forgiven. So now they're like, dude, you interrupted. You're a sinner because you're crippled. And Jesus just blasphemed to you before God by pronouncing something over you that he doesn't have the authority to do, which we know he does. They don't like this man at all. He interrupted their, he tore a hole in the roof for heaven's sakes. They don't like this guy at all. So he's got to, Jesus says, get up take your mat, and receive your healing. This guy has to do it. And so his first steps in his life are steps full of conflict, steps full of critics, instead of steps full of inspiration and motivation that should be there. I wonder, in the face of what's been against you for such a long time, in the face of what's been against your family for such a long time, Will you get up? Because when I was writing this message, the Holy Spirit in my office really spoke to me. And when he spoke to me, I jotted it down, and he said, listen, there's somebody that's gonna be in your, in your early weekend gathering on Thursday night, or there's somebody that's gonna be in your 9 a.m. gathering, or there's somebody that's gonna be in your 11 a.m. gathering, or maybe there's somebody that's gonna listen to podcast, or somebody's gonna watch the live stream. There's somebody within the sound of your voice as you're an ambassador for me that needs to know that they have resurrection we're inside of them, but they're not living it out. And the reason they're not living it out is because they're not getting up. And they gotta get up to be able to walk out the faith that I have given to them. And so that's the charge that the Holy Spirit wants us to receive today. Get up, get up. You gotta get up. You gotta get up. It's not that you're not healed, it's you are healed. So prove it, show it. Prove the presence of God in your life. Get up, man. Then there's the, the final door as I close is the door of revelation. The door of revelation. There was amazement in the room. There was amazement as you read the word amazed several times in this. I'll tell you the people weren't amazed that the man, the crippled man, was brought to the front door. Oh my goodness. The greeter says, which there probably wasn't. The greeter says, Hey, um, fellas, we've got to make way. This, this man's come to receive healing from Jesus today. And his friends brought him along. They, they weren't amazed that he was there. They weren't amazed that they heard the, the, the feet on the roof. They weren't amazed that they cut a hole in the roof. They weren't amazed. They weren't amazed that they dropped the man before the feet of Jesus. They were not even amazed at the preaching of Jesus Christ. They weren't amazed, they were critical. They weren't amazed. But you know what they were amazed about? They were amazed by the man's demonstration of the healing power of God in his life. The guy came through the roof and was dropped down. But he, (laughs) Hmm. and then he gets up, rolls up the mat, and he's like, pardon me, fellas. I'm gonna go out the door that you didn't let me come in to begin with. So I'll be seeing you around, because I'm walking now. So this man, they were amazed at it, and it says, it says in verse number, verse number 12, it says, um, uh, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. It amazed them all. I declare to you today that there are some of you that are about to be a door of revelation for people to see Jesus in you and through your life. It, it's, here's the people that Jesus picks for that. First of all, everyone is who he wants to pick, but he picks people who have reached a decision. Hmm, This is gonna hit home for some of you. He he picks people that have reached a decision that I may not be able to get rid of my issue. I may always be crippled. I may always be fill in the blank. They realize that they may not be able to get rid of their issue, but that's not gonna stop them from going after Jesus. It's not gonna stop them from pursuing Jesus. Jesus. Did, I don't know if you saw it, but I'm in the story here today. Did you read it? It's, it's here. Um, I'm going to kind of read it to you again. This is a few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum. The people heard he had come home. many gathered, there's no room. Not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic. I'm one of those guys. See, God called me a long time ago in this story. To be a carrier. He said there you are Troy. Well there's no names given. There doesn't need to be a name given. The name that is important is the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, My assignment from heaven. My mandate for the rest of my life. uh, For the rest of my existence before the Lord takes me home. Is this. To carry you. To carry you to Jesus. To carry you to our Lord and Savior. To carry you. It's my I'll do anything short of sin to carry you. To him, that's that's what I'm gonna do. And when you've done all you can do, and when you've tried all you can try, there's another door. There's another door. Jesus, Jesus um, is the great I am. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is the bright morning star. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is coming again. He's the one, he's the one. Christmas time. I did an illustrated message. I don't know if you remember, we had the, the, the sheep gate and all these different, do- the door and all this stuff that we had here. I, I wanna review that verse, John chapter 10, verse number nine, I'm just gonna put it on the screen for you. I am the gate. Another translation says, I am the door. Jesus is the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and they'll find, pasture. Jesus is the door. If religion has kept you out, Jesus is saying, come on in. If if your sin has kept you out, Jesus is saying, come on in. If your issue has kept you out, Jesus is saying, come on in. Come in through the door, 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 door. Let's take a look at it. This is what we just got done studying, the door. Sometimes the door is a door of disappointment. That's Jesus saying, come on in. You think that you were turned away because of, and now you're disappointed, and now you don't think you can get in, there's another door. You're disappointed now, but I'm calling you to a higher level in your life. There's also the door of opposition, and you sense that all these people are against you, so you're just kind of ready to go home, and you know what? Maybe I need to get a different job because I got so much opposition here and it's spiritually challenging to me. Listen to me. Where God calls you, bloom. Be used by God and let him use you in a mighty way. You be light in that dark, dark, depraved area that you're working in. So let that door of opposition be used. Listen, maybe it's the door of obedience and Jesus is saying it's not gonna be easy and everybody else is gonna go a different direction. They're going with the flow. I want you to go against the flow and be obedient unto me and that's the door to that you're gonna go through, that you're gonna find your miracle, or maybe it's the door of revelation, and this is what happens as a culmination of you going through the door that God calls you through, is you'll, you'll have this revelation of, oh, that's what this was all about. Now I know that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, that there is no weapon formed against me that is gonna prosper, that I belong to God, grafted into the vine, bought with a great price, royalty in my veins. I have a relationship with the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So it's all about going through the door. But I wanna close with this statement before I give you a chance to respond. Jesus does not expect you to be perfect, but... He does expect progress in your life. Stagnant water is not acceptable. Rivers of living water, he says, will flow out of your belly, out of your gut. Uh, Rivers of living water, not stagnant ponds of cesspool water, but You gotta have some progress. So one progress that you can make is take some steps toward your healing. Hey, fellas, you know, um, I've been on this mat a long time, and we've been friends, and we've been hanging out for a long time, but I got a huge favor to ask, I really don't have any right to ask this this favor, but I heard about this guy who's casting demons out in church, and I I, kind of think that he might be somebody that can help me because I sure would love to be able to toss the ball around with you I sure would love to be able to have a normal life like you have, and I know I'm asking you a lot, and I know it's about three miles down the road, but do you think you would carry me so that I can just see Jesus? We'll just wait outside till he's done, because I'm sure there's a lot of people around. Would you just carry me that far? So yeah, we'll carry you. But the friends didn't just carry him to wait outside until Jesus was done. They were gonna do anything that they can do short of sin to see their friend come to Jesus and receive the healing that he had a right spiritually to receive from the king who had authorized this. Listen, your healing, your deliverance, your freedom, your strength that you've been praying for starts starts with a relationship. It starts with a relationship with a real God who really does love you, who really knows your issue, who really cares about what you're going through, but who really wants to do something in you before he does something for you. That might blow some of your theology. Some of you are like, yeah, but doesn't the Bible say that signs and wonders would follow? That's exactly what it says. They would follow. Let's believe. First, with a relationship with Jesus... Solid, steadfast, and true. Lean into him. He is the only answer. I, I, th- there's no other answer. I, I, we believe in helping. We believe in counseling. We believe in support. We believe in provision. provision. We believe in all of that. But it has to be Jesus first. Because he's your answer. Would you bow your heads in your heart? God, there's so much going on in this room and I know there's so many stories and I'm familiar with some and I'm not familiar with a whole bunch and I know that there's, even in the, even in the best of times, there's still stuff that we are struggling with and I, I know there's a lot of struggles in this room. I know there's a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, probably some anger, disappointment and I'm pretty sure there's at least half a dozen people in here that just don't want to be here at all but I do know I do know that you are a real God, with real love, with real strength, and with real answers for every one of our issues. And so today, God, we ask for your help. We ask for your help. As you're sitting here today, with your eyes closed and just thinking about your issue and that relationship that's gone bad or that... That family member that's just driving you crazy, or that job that you hate, or or that friend that lets you down, or that addiction that is keeping you from your best, or that denial that you're stuck in, or that um, you know, uh, you know, just name it. Just just the, the children that you're, you know, you you thought they'd, you tried to do everything right, you listened to all the teachings and the preaching, but you you're like God, why do I have a couple of nut jobs living with me in my house right now. I just, I really would like them to behave. Can you just smite them for just an af- afternoon so that I can, uh, <laughs> I can experience a little bit of peace because you feel like you're going crazy and you feel guilty because you feel like you're, you're not making it work and that's not the truth. It's not the truth. Satan is whispering in your ear that you've blown it, you've messed up, that there's no redemption for you. There's no help for you. There's no grace for you. That 70 times seven, shoot, you passed that up a long time ago you've broken promises and you've lied and you've discredited people and you've been selfish and all of those things are going through your head right now. And Jesus is saying, just stop, just stop. Know that I am God. I'm not, I'm not holding those against you. I am pursuing passionately after you. And I want to see you, I want to see you experience the best, the best life possible. And so Jesus is saying to you, would you come to me Would you come to me? And you're like, but I can't get to you because of all this stuff, then there's another door. There's another door. Find the door or make the door, but there's another door. And so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're ready to just find the door of Jesus, if you're ready to pursue after him, if you're ready to say, okay, Lord, I've been suffering, I've been doing this on my own, and I really need need your help, I need your healing, I need your deliverance, I need your freedom, but I need your strength, God. I need you, Jesus. And then go after him. And the first thing you gotta do is you gotta get up. You just gotta get up. So I'm gonna count to three. And that's all we're gonna do in this altar call today is we're just gonna get up. So when I get to three, if that's you and you need help in your life in any one of those areas or maybe an area that is just between you and God, we're not gonna have you articulate that to us. It's between you and Jesus. Then then you you got to get up and Jesus is saying son daughter your sins are forgiven it's time to get up one two three get up just get up just stand up right where you are just get up just get up just just who cares what if somebody else thinks I don't think that crippled man cared he couldn't care less just just get up just get up God I need you and I'm I, I got up maybe you can lift your hands up to the Lord right now and just say I, I'm getting up I'm I'm getting up. I'm, I'm, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Uh, there's more to this life than where I've been, and I, I need your freedom and I need your help. I need your forgiveness. God, I need your healing. I need your deliverance. I can't keep going the way that I'm going. I need to be set free. And so, Lord, I've come a long way, and I refuse to go back. I refuse to turn around. I refuse to give up. I'm not going to quit. Instead, I'm gonna take my step toward you and take another step toward you and another step towards you. And 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 I'm gonna walk out this salvation that I have with with faith. And and so this morning, God, I get up and I say, Heal me, oh mighty God. Take these thoughts and this stuff that I've been masking with all kinds of all kinds of disguises, take these thoughts of 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 frustration and disappointment and just Heal me. Set me free. I get up for you, God. I get up for you. God, this this, this anger that I've been dealing with, I, I give it to you. I, I I get up this sadness that I'm going through. I, I give it to you, and I am getting up. God, this um, disillusionment, this apathy that I've been stuck in for such a long time, I'm getting up today, and I am pursuing passionately after you. I will not see stop. I won't back up any longer. I'm, I'm going to move forward. And I'm not going to care what the critics think anymore. I'm going to take a step and another step and another step until I get to roll up that mat that brought me in. And I get to walk out courageously and victoriously in my life because I've experienced the miraculous power of our great and mighty God. Oh Lord, would you move? Would your presence move? Would your spirit move? Would your power move? Would you set the captive free today? And would Would you pronounce over us that it is finished in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask God for freedom and strength and healing and deliverance in the house today. And we thank you, thank you, thank you God. To you be the glory. Great things you have done. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And now take just about 15 seconds and everybody in the house, sitting or standing, just praise the Lord for what he's done in your life because he's worthy of praise. Come on now and glory and honor. God, you have been so good to me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, and praise God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest, and may he give you peace. God bless you, victorious New Life Church. Have a great Sunday. Glory to God. Glory to God.